So this is Ira on Sports. We're so fortunate to have back on Sonny Vaccaro. We had Sonny on a few months ago, and we talked about the Air movie, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And Sonny was gracious enough with his time to come back as we had a couple other things we want to talk about. So thanks a lot, Sonny, for coming back on Ira on Sports. Looking forward to doing it. Looking forward to Ira. So... Tell me about, now it's been a couple months since Ayers come out, and I was telling one of my friends that I'm having, uh, not the person, not Matt Damon on, but Sonny Vaccaro on the show again, and she said, she goes, oh no, I would rather hear Sonny than to hear Matt Damon. So you're, it's, this has been tremendous, I think, for you in terms of just the publicity. Yeah, it has. Well, anything, when you're associated with people like Matt and Ben and the movie, and yes, it is. It's much more beneficial to me, and, and it has been, and i the movie has been received very well. That's great. And so we talked, I said, about Michael, and we talked about Kobe. And last time when you had on, we were just getting into LeBron. And I've been reading so much about LeBron and your involvement with the recruitment of LeBron. And I remember I was reading a story where you told about when the first time you saw him, you went up to, I think, to Oakland. And he was playing on the court, and in the middle of the game, you left. So if you could tell that story the first time you saw LeBron play when he was, in, I think, going into his junior year in high school. He was a young fella, and uh, all you know, the crew that's with him now, you know, Maverick and those guys, you know, were with him. You know, weren't with him at that day, but that's how old he was. They were all like juniors or sophomores going into junior year, whatever. So they arranged the workout uh, for me in in uh, Oakland, California, because he was going to play with an AAU team up there. So we lived in Calabasas at the time. Pam and I flew up and. We met the family for breakfast, and we did all those things. And we went to the University of San Francisco, where his high school coach, you know, then ran a scrimmage among some, you know, kids from colleges up there in, in the, the Cal area. Uh, and uh, that's when I first – I saw him on video before that, but that was the first time I'd seen him. So he goes out there and plays. We, we meet everybody and all that sort of stuff. And he goes down and, you know, he starts playing whatever first five or ten minutes, and he's having a – rough time and i didn't know because Pammy and i were in the bleachers and uh he goes over to his coach and his coach said what's wrong what's wrong he said my shorts are falling <laughs> so he had to get a tightened belt and uh then a you know he said my god you know you got the guy here looking for you and all that sort of stuff and um and i've never met any you know all the people more than five or ten minutes and um and then he goes back on the court and um and the people he's playing against is very, are very, were very, very good, and uh, and that's a true story because it's documented by the people who were there. And so I went down and uh, I told your coach to, uh, you know, uh, that I I, I saw enough. He said, "What do you mean?" And I said, "I saw enough. I can I'm going to take the earlier plane out, and uh, I want to talk to you guys after the weekend's over." And he's done, but uh, he's brilliant. He's all those things, and no one can believe it. And I said, "You know what?" This is. I'm just telling you. Call me. You know, when this is all over and whatever, he's unbelievable. And that's short of the words I talked about. And I left. Pam and I left and went to the airport and got a uh, a three o'clock plane instead of a seven or eight o'clock plane that night and got home. And, and that's the true story of me first witnessing him. And then coach called me, uh, Danforth, and, uh, and then we, you know. All the people that brought him there, I you know I met his mom at breakfast, all you know, obviously, and you know his crew and Eddie and everybody. I mean, the, 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 you know, the kids that were with him, and and we struck that relationship that day, and we just followed it through. But it didn't take long. Um, 
It was sort of like the Kobe Bryant interview for Jerry West. It didn't take very long to see what I thought I saw also and believe in what I saw. And I was reading about, and when he went to, you know, you were at Adidas at this time, not Nike, and he went to he went to the ABCD camp that you had, and I guess there was another great player named Lenny Cook, and everyone yeah. was talking about the camp is going to be LeBron versus Lenny Cook, and they played one game, and I think LeBron completely dominated him, but that just took over that entire camp that, that summer, the, the camp that you were running, the ABCD camp. And that, that game was historic uh, lore for youth basketball in the camp, and no question about that. Uh, that's what happened. And Lenny was the number one player. Lenny earned all that. And I think because Lenny didn't have a – he messed up a little bit on his personal life and whatever. And he, he was great. So let's not, let's not undermine that. But uh, and the irony of the whole thing is LeBron was obviously much better on that day than, uh, than uh, you know he ever would be because that's proven out. Um, but he hit the last shot at the buzzer to win the game from like 25 feet out and jump. I'm serious. That was like somebody wrote a script for like a movie. And, <laughs> and that's what happened. And you and your wife had a great relationship with Gloria, uh, LeBron's mother, and the family, and, and, and that was that must have been tremendous in terms of you, you sponsored St. Vincent Mary's, you spent time in Akron, you did all those things, and, and really developed a close personal relationship with LeBron during this recruitment process. You know, um, you know, I have to say that's the absolute truth. And to this day, uh, you know, I don't see anybody anymore, the kids or whatever. Life has changed. And uh, and I got out of the business in 2007-8. But Gloria and I remained, we used to exchange Christmas cards or whatever. We used to get them from LeBron. But Gloria, Gloria, to me, going through, you know, uh, the adversity that she did, and, and as a man named Eddie Jackson was very, very involved with the family, and Eddie, Eddie was close to me also, but but Gloria was the glue. Gloria was the, the you know going through life, and you can honestly see LeBron speaks his mom you know all the time. So it was a, a great relationship. And you're right, you know Gloria came to my home. That uh, LeBron never did while they were being recruited. He was out town, and we just spent a lot of time together when we could spend a lot of time together. That was great, and then. The end of it was in terms of the, what he had to finally finish his senior year at St. Vincent St. Mary's. He decided on, you know, decided he's going to turn pro and what shoe deal he was going to have. And Reebok offered him that hundred million dollar contract. And then he goes out and sees you, and I think you rented a house and and you were giving the presentation for Adidas. Yeah, well, no, Reebok didn't give him hundred million. We promised him hundred million. Adidas promised him. Reebok gave him. Uh, he went to a private Reebok meeting, and they were going to give him a lot of money. And they, we're going to give him X millions of dollars on the spot, but it wasn't anywhere near that. So we, I promised LeBron uh, while they were still in high school that the Adidas' number was going to be $100 million, $10 million a year for 10 years for $100 million. And, uh, and, and no, no, you know, it didn't, it wasn't, he didn't have to do things. He was just getting that straight. It wasn't an inducive thing like he, he makes the all-star team. He does all that. So what then happened, what then happened, um, when we had them to visit, and they were all done, you know, done on the ocean there, with the with the place where he reserved and give him his first class. You know, he brought the whole team on. They went to a Laker playoff game, and it was a very good, uh, good very good weekend. And then when we opened the contract, Adidas fibbed. They fibbed to me, which meant I fibbed to the player because I basically set the prices for all the things that I did at any company, any company. 
So other than, you know, I agreed with Michael, I mean, because that was Rob, Rob thing there. But I, we got him to that point. But from then on, once I was hired at Nike after doing Michael thing, we signed a coach in that. My number was, my number was gospel to the coaches we hired at the time. So LeBron's there meeting, and he's with uh, his, his agent Aaron Goodwin at the time, and mom's there. And, you know, and I see the same thing as they see. It was only uh, $7 million with incentives for $3 more million, and that was never part of the deal. And that's what happened. That's why they lost it. So that's basically what happened. And then he went to Nike, and they didn't give him the $100 million either. They gave him you know, some incentives with like $90 million. But to that, when they left me, the last words I spoke to, to LeBron and his family that day was, don't tell Nike what we offer. See what they offer. See what they offer and go from there. Because I, I wanted him to get more. We weren't going to get him at the 70. I knew that right away. And I knew they would. I knew they would. You know, you know they didn't know the exact number. So that's the story of LeBron and uh, Dan uh, Malibu. Do you think that if you if if Adidas would have came in with that hundred million, that that would have signed him, that he would have signed for Adidas, or do you think that their pool with Nike and Michael and that thing would have might have drawn him to back to Nike? I, I don't know if that would have happened. I do know that I was closest to their family than anyone. I mean, no matter what Nike says now, and LeBron and his family know that. We were vetted with the family. There's no question that I was personally, but but they could have. I mean, uh, Nike had a lot of things. We were just starting. We we were just uh, at that time when I had gone to Adidas. We already had now Kobe, Tracy, and um, um, you know uh, another guy. Anyway, a really good guy. Uh, but anyway, but Kobe and Tracy were there. You know, they were they were signed already. So we we had uh, then we had guys going, and there was a continuation of what we had going. So then to switch from LeBron to, which I wanted to, which we totally missed the last time we had you on the show, was your work with, in terms of what we see about NIL and how you were spear, the spearhead in terms of making you know, these players that they can earn money. And I think I'm trying, I've been reading stuff about it. Says in 2008, David Stern, Miles Brandt, the head of NCA, they had this big meeting and you, and you weren't invited to the meeting. <laughs> and then you're like, you know, they say, we're going to clean it up, but they didn't really clean it up. And then that spurred you to sort of like to talk to some players players and see, you know, about in terms of, you know, the people using their name, image, and likeness and not getting paid. And I think that led you to Ed O'Bannon. You're, you're right there. It was Jermaine O'Neal, the third player for LeBron. So we had uh, Tracy, we had Kobe, we had Jermaine O'Neal. And Jermaine turned out to be, you know, he's holy, or he was a Hall of Fame right there. But so we had three great players before we're going in. So LeBron would have, you know, coup de call. So now going to that meeting, yeah, they, they had they had a lot of meetings about Sonny Vaccaro, the NCAA, and later on did the thing. And the irony of it all is that showed you the bias and prejudice against me personally. Uh, there's no question. But also showed that I was focused on something that I totally believed in, not that I was right, wrong, or indifferent. It's something I believed in. And that meeting turned out to be the biggest fiasco in the history of mankind. I don't want to go into it now, but a lot of individuals, they signed, you know, that in IHOP, it's called IHOOPS, uh, was what it was. It was another thing they did was the disaster cost money and, you know, and people who ran it, you know, you know, whatever, it wasn't successful. So just get to your point to your readers. I was basically ostracized by the other side. Okay. And, to be very honest, what led me into 
you know, eventually Eddie was you know, Brandon Jennings. You know, they they try to keep him out. You know, going to they wanted him. To, he was going to be you know didn't read your grades. It was like by grades to go to Arizona, and he wasn't going to sit out of here because it took a half a year in those days to to make a decision on a player that they suspicion didn't do the right test score to some stupid thing. And Brandon called me and I did Brandon to go to Italy and Brandon and Brandon gave me the opening. Cause after Brandon, then I got, then I got involved with Eddie. And that's when I, that's when I left. Uh, I, I left, you know, thing. Brandon was my first outreach. There's no question about that. And, uh, so, but, but O'Bannon was the, was the, maybe the goal that I was destined to because we were still fighting for kids. Eddie and hundreds and thousands of other kids were, you know, were not allowed to, you know, earn off their name, image and likeness. And I, I went through 15 other players that I had known, you know, Eddie was the player of the year in college. Eddie was the most valuable. He, they won the national championship. Eddie just didn't have a great pro career. So there were some people that, you know, thought he wasn't a great player. Well, he was a great player. He was a great human being, and he was what that trophy was about. That's exactly what he was about. He was the player of the year, and they picked him. No one, no one tells me today, why didn't they pick somebody else? They picked, you know, they picked. The, 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 game, the, thing, the game picked, you know, Eddie O'Bannon. And Eddie O'Bannon showed more, more fortitude than anybody. He went against all the grain in a, in a less fortunate situation. And he put his name to this thing. And at the end of that movie, if, if I should die yesterday, today, or tomorrow, whenever it is, okay, that's the proudest thing that I've done. I've certainly done a lot of things in my life that I'm proud of. But I think O'Bannon was the icing on the cake because the athlete fought the fight. The athlete won the game. He won the thing. But I was walking with him in his shadow. And I, I just love that. And Eddie O'Bannon uh, should be, you know, memorialized for a million, million other things, maybe just being a good human being. But he did what no one else chose to do, be the face of NIL. So, and, and it started because I guess he was playing a video game and his someone and his kids or someone was playing a video game and said, this is great. And look, that's you because it had his number, the likeness, everything about it. It didn't just say Ed O'Bannon on it. And he's like, and the guy goes, and it's like someone said, this game makes so much money. Everybody has it. They're all playing it. And he's like, well, if that's me in the game, it's making tons of money. I didn't sign a release. They're just taking, you know, why am I not getting any money from this game that keeps getting sold year and year after year after year? And it was a friend of his, a good friend of, uh, uh, you know, him. And then he called him over to us, and Eddie didn't see the game. Okay, you know, he went over and saw the game and saw what the kid did. And then Eddie, I had approached Eddie, and he was thinking about joining our thing. And, and then he called me, Mr. Vaccaro. You know, you know, I watched everything. I'd like to talk to you about, uh, you know, I didn't know it was NIL then. I don't think there was a name for it at that time. But anyway, uh he said, I'd like to talk to you about the EA Sports game. I think I want to be involved. And Eddie, Eddie O'Bannon did it. And it took us a long time to do what he finished doing. A lot of naysayers, a lot of people against him, against you know me because I was helping him in a sense, okay? But Eddie bore the brunt. Eddie bore the brunt. I was the shield, I think. And then all the other people. We had a committee. We, invite, we you know, Ken Feinberg, uh, uh, the man who 
uh, you know, split the money for the, the 9-11 tragedy, Agent Orange, you know, Vietnam War. He was, he's the guy, you know, that split, split the money. Just go, go Google it, people listening to the show. Ken Feinberg was the guy that was going to make a deal with the NCAA. You know, Michael Hausfeld and uh, Bill, uh, Bill Edwardson and a bunch of other lawyers, very good lawyers across the country, teamed in and they went against these people. I think it took five or six years to, to win the damn case. <laughs> we were going and going. We almost reached the, the you know, the Supreme Court. But O'Bannon is, or O'Bannon should live forever. Well, yeah, because in 2016, the Supreme Court decided to, they actually upheld the lower court decision, which said that the NCAA was violating these players' rights and 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 then the incentives were for the payments. And then later, then 2021 was the Alston case, which the NCAA yeah. lost nine to nothing, which then clearly said players are allowed to earn money. NCAA can't stop them. But I, I was I was in researching this. I noticed that you spent so much time like going through the different rules of different schools. You found that in North Carolina, the players actually sign their likeness away that they so you you had been you had laid us so much groundwork on your own to find out you know what would the players were doing and how this was being enforced well i started the layout the, the lawyers just did i gave them all my leads you know i knew of situations so i was very familiar you know a man named uh, dr uh southall the, uh, he was a professor that i i uh, lectured to at the university of north carolina who invited me and uh <clears throat> And uh, and we had other people, you know, Alan Stogorski, a, a professor and a doctorate, you know, was then, I don't know what school she was at at that time, uh, Drexel, you know, and she actually was a, was a, a witness for the prosecutor, for us, you know, for the defense, and we were going after it. So I had a lot of people in education and law firms help me, but I, I shared with them, because I'm the first time we before he took the case, sent two of his people from their San Francisco office meet me in uh, Santa Monica, where, where Pam and I were living at that time, and we brought boxes over to him. <laughs> I, had, I had 100 boxes, I mean, but I, I brought, we, we, we shifted through it and got two or three boxes of information that I can, you know, they're, they're all, you know, it was even before how we use uh, internet now in you know, Texas and all that. But this was like in 2010 or 11, I mean, so it was way back. And they took him with them, and that's how it all started. But Eddie, Eddie was the, the catalyst, and the lawyers were great, and I had great, great, great people. People I'd never known in my life became my best friends. <laughs> they weren't the college coaches. They weren't the athletic directors. They became the law firm that protected the athletes and won the case. I mean, we've, anyone who's followed sports as long as I have has seen everything from Steve Alford being suspended because he posed for a calendar for charity for a sorority count, you know, those crazy things. And you actually went back and looked. I think one of the other things you found out that, that in NCAA had a rule that if you were a student athlete, you could even hire an attorney. It was against their rules to have your own attorney, which is crazy. And then it was struck down in Ohio. So you had done so much of that legwork. And, that, you know, it's certainly we, everybody owes a debt of gratitude for your efforts. Thank you for saying that. Uh, you know, it all started when Pam, I was watching classic sports one day in the early 90s, and I was watching, you know, you know uh, Maryland and North Carolina on TV, you know, that ESPN classic sports thing a long time ago. And uh, and she asked me one day, Cam, uh, Pammy was a very successful commercial actress, and, and, you know, for about 10, 12 years. And she said, Sonny, very instantly, said, do these kids get residuals? That's what that's. <laughs> 
that's what it was because that's how you earn a pretty good living. You know, doing commercial, you get the residuals. You do a song, you know, the writer gets a piece of it. And that's what's made me start my investigation. And that's when I found inside that contract that these people, I want your audience to listen to this. If they have no opinion or if they're dead set to get the kid getting money, whatever they want to be, here's what they did. In the middle of the scholarship papers, which is 2,000 pages, right? <laughs> they put down, and by the way, we own your name, image, and likeness in perpetuity. These kids were 16, 17. When you signed, I remember when I signed one, and thank God, because I never played a doctor that I could hurt, you know, then you got a contract, and they, they fly. you got a four-year contract in those days. And, um, and these people hit it inside there. And what does every parent do? Every parent, except the, like the super, super, duper, super star, I mean, whatever, all that stuff, you know, what do they do? They just sign the papers. They're, no one's going to lie to us. These guys, Coach Jimmy ain't going to hire, you know, this university, oh, my God, it's Harvard and Yale. They don't give attention, so I can say that. My point to you is that's how, that's how thievery they were. That's how bad they were. Any other thing other than swearing on your show does not define what the NCAA has done to athletes, athletes, over a hundred years by using the word amateur. Do you think that we'll ever get to a time where there will be like they're not they're getting now uh, opportunities to get name and likeness and get signings? But do you think there will ever be a straight thing where they will get you know profit participation from these huge? You know, we keep talking about these big TV deals that everyone's signing. That's why all the conferences are merging. Would you think that there'll be a time when maybe some of the players will get some of that money? They they will get it, and the NCAA, as we know it, will be extinct. <laughs> and they will get it. Next project, that's, they will get it. That's that's what their partners in the game do. Not just the portion which could have been, no, no. There's there's good conversation about stuff like that. Well, Sonny, I want to tell you something. I, as I said, we, we finished with last time. We didn't have enough time. I want to bring you back. I so appreciate you to talk, coming back, talking about LeBron and your work with uh, at the O'Bannon case and with NIL. And uh, just what a, what a life you've had, what a career you've had, uh, touching so many. And I'm so happy that air came out, that people now know your name. I don't have to say, you know, they know who you are and they know what you were doing. That's, that's phenomenal that, that you've got this recognition now. Well, I appreciate what you're saying, Aaron, and for the people who are watching it. Uh, as I said before on the show, the movie does not speak lies. There's a, you know, there's a movie. There are, you know, different things, different situations, and the actors were certainly better speakers than I am or anybody else was. And Viola was brilliant. And I, I believe is hopefully at the end of uh, whenever time they come to give awards out to those actors and the people, the young kid who wrote the the the, the uh, the, the movie, uh, you know, Alex Convery. I mean, uh, hopefully they get nominated for these awards that they give in that world. Uh, that would be certainly a, a nice ending. But if it doesn't happen, you know, mistakes are made all the time. It, it, was, it was right at the top of my life. And you know what else it did for me personally? When at the end of the movie and they did the scroll, it wasn't like I donated this or I donated that. You know what I'd like to say? I'll tell you what I'd like to say. Eddie O'Bannon saved everything about purism in an athlete and being respected. That was 
that was the epitaph that I liked to end there. Not that it's wrong giving charity and all that sort of stuff. I'm not against that. I just said that's what my legacy will be, I pray. And if people hadn't seen the movie, what, what Sonny's talking about is that they did a they showed where all, everybody's from the movie what they're doing now, and that was his that was written under you know like the, in the credits that was written. So that was yeah that was wonderful. Um, you know they you know they wrote that Michael Jordan went on to be the greatest basketball player of all time and those things, and then that was what they wrote about you. So yeah, that was that was very touching. It was excellent. So Sonny, yeah. I, I wish you the best of health, and I hope you have get it enjoy to watch this upcoming basketball season. And thank you so much for coming on the Iron Sports and talking about your amazing life well this is great and i'm going to hold you to something we're on to the holidays let's do this again oh sir basketball season will be in the middle then so we'll, we'll, we'll go for that yes definitely let's we're going to bring you back right in the middle of basketball season thank you much sonny okay. thank you thank, thank you thank you bye-bye